sure all of us uh, have heard or perhaps said at one point, do as I say, not as I do. Because uh, we sometimes we say one thing like, hey, this would be a good idea, or this is how you should live, or this is how you should handle that situation. And someone says, but that's not how you do it. I say, well, do as I say, but not as I do. Or sometimes we might say to ourselves, might tell somebody something, and we may think, wow, wow, I should take my own advice. That would be really helpful to me. And we realize that we kind of have like more good advice to give than we're actually like living out in our own lives. Like we have a lot of all these ways of like, I know this would be good for me. I know this would be helpful to me. This is a good way for me to live. And we can tell other people that advice all day, but then we realize, oh, Maybe I don't really actually live all of the good advice I have out myself. And for me, and I'm sure for you too, I know more advice um, from the Bible than I'm actually living out. I could tell you more good things from the Bible of how you should live than I can. Then you could come and examine my life, and you'd be like, "Well, you're not living out all the good things that you're giving from the Bible." I know more commands that I'm obeying. I know more truths about God than I've aligned my life with, and. Uh, my knowledge of what's expected of me exceeds my obedience to those expectations. And, and let's just think about all of our lives. Let's say you don't read the Bible on your own at all, um, but you come to worship gatherings where you hear the Bible um, taught and, and read and, and explained and prayed. Um, and let's say you know we're sick sometimes or we're on vacation. Let's say you made it to 80% of our church's worship gatherings. And so that would mean you would make it to 42 of these things. 42 Sundays you'd come here and listen to the Bible, hear taught, and walk away with some ways to live differently. And whether you just something in the scripture just hits you, like, man, I should really apply it to my life. Or something I say hits you, or somebody else who's teaching, um, it really hits you, and you're like, man, I should live differently because of that. Um, if every passage only revealed one way you should live differently... By the end of a year, if you've attended 80% of the worship gatherings, you would have 42 things on a list that, for how you should be living differently. And now most passages, there's probably multiple things that hit you of like, wow, I'm not obeying that, I'm not living in light of that, I'm not taking that advice, I need to apply it to my life. So let's say there's two things at every worship gathering that you, you know, could come out of a passage where you're like, I'm not living in obedience to that. So if you made it to 80% of them, it's 52 in a year, if that'd be 42 and you hear 42 things, uh, but if there's two in every passage, you hear 84 things uh, by the end of a year that you need to change and apply to your life. And so that would be, you know, notebook pages. In like a student's notebook, it's like 26 lines. So that would be three and a half pages in a notebook of things you need to change and by the end of a year if you went to 80% of the worship gatherings of this church. And even for someone who likes lists of, like, just tell me what I need to do. You know, just tell me what's expected of me. You know, at a job or something. I can't imagine a job saying, like, okay, first day on the job, here's the 84 things that are expected of you to complete this job. Like, whoa, you know, usually it's like, a, here's your job description in, like, a paragraph. But here's the 84 things. So even for people who like, I want to know what's expected of me, I just give me a list. 84 things is a lot. No one can make that many changes in a week, let alone a year. You can imagine changing 84 things about your life in a year. And we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit. In the first part of the series, we've been focused on becoming more aware of who the Spirit is and what his role in our life is. What's the work he wants to do? What is, why have we been given the Holy Spirit? And for uh, the remainder of the series, that was like the first half, right now we're learning, okay, that's who he is, that's what he was given to us to do. Now how do we rely on him? How do we walk with him to let him do that in our life? And in 
Galatians, this letter um, to a church um, 2,000 years ago. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to this group of people who believed in Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, but who are now starting to go down the wrong path. And what's happened to them is they're, they receive Jesus and they're like, this is what you need to do. Trust in Jesus to be right with God. Uh, it's not about your performance. It's not about what you do. But all you have to do is trust in Jesus and you have right standing with God. And then eventually this group of folks came in and they're like, no, 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 no. You need a little more than just trust in Jesus. Like you actually need to do some of these commands that we find in the Old Testament. You need to be circumcised. That's the entry point. If anybody wants to be part of the people of God, they've got to be circumcised. If you don't know what that is, I'll let you look it up on your own. But if you want to be part of the people of God, you've got to be circumcised. Oh, and also there's kind of these other things, you know, like special days, and there's like special ways we have to eat, and they're like, you've got to follow some of these laws. That's what it means to be part of the people of God. And then Paul tells them, no, it, it is only Jesus, and it's not Jesus plus these other things. And as we saw in Galatians 5, verses 1 through 6, if you add something to Jesus, you're saying, well, he's not good enough. He's insufficient. And so you basically are saying, I need to live. My status with God is determined by my obedience and my performance of these, all these commands and all these things that were in the Old Testament. Um, but then, uh, and so basically what these people are doing, you know, we, thought, we talked about that list, 84 things in a year you might hear. In the Old Testament, there's a bunch of people who, you know, for a long, long time ago, Jews counted up how many commands there are actually in here uh, in, the, in the law of Moses. And it's 613 is the amount. So you imagine filling up a notebook, 613 things of what I need to change to be right with God. And you know, that's Paul saying, like, if you accept circumcision, if you accept that one part of this law, you're accepting that all 613 of those things are what you need to keep in order to be right with God. And he's saying, no, God has always said it's by faith in me, by trusting in me, and now we've seen it's by trusting in Jesus that you can be right with me. But then, uh, you might, we might ask, well, what has it led to? Um, it hasn't led to much, and you might say, like, well, how do I be right with God? Is one part, like, okay, obey these laws, and the other part is, well, how do I change my life? How do I live differently than what I am now? Well, focus on obeying these laws. And Paul says, no, both of those are an error. To be right with God, you trust in Jesus. To live a changed life, you need to walk by the Spirit. And that's what we're going to see in this passage. And so the big idea for today is this. Walking in step with the Spirit grows Christ's life in us. If you like to see the visual, walking in step with the Spirit grows Jesus' or Christ's life in us. Walking step with the Spirit grows Christ's life in us. You can complete that in lots of ways. It grows Christ's character. Uh, it grows Christ's will in us. It grows Christ's purposes in us. Uh, everything that's true of Jesus grows in our life when we're walking in step with the Spirit. His will, His purposes, His patience, His kindness, kindness, His sinlessness. Uh, our, we are sinless people, but the longer you're a Christian, you will be sinning less uh, until the day Jesus comes back when we are uh, completely cleansed of our sin and our, and our actions. And if I remember when we were in the series in John, um, Jesus talked about being one with Him. One, You're going to be one with me. And He said, how is that going to happen? He said, by the Spirit. And the more we walk in step with the Spirit that Jesus has given us, the more it grows Christ's life in us, the more we become one with Him. And you see this 
Paul is talking about this. He doesn't only talk about how do you be right with God, how do you get forgiven with God in Galatians, but even from the very beginning in Galatians 2.20, he says this. Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's saying, like, all those things about me that were against God, that's been put to death. And now the new life I live, I live through faith in Jesus, and it's Christ who's living in me. His will, his purposes. And as we start to look at Galatians, the main chunk of what we're going to look at is uh, 20, or 16 through 26. But when Paul, he's talking about uh, being right with God, and he tells him in verse 13, he's like, uh, you, Christ has set you free from your performance, your obedience, determining your status with God. When you trusted him, you're set free from that. And at 13, he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Because as we've talked about before, it's possible that, oh, I don't have to do anything to be right with God. I just got to say I trust in Jesus and I'm forgiven. Sweet, then I can just do whatever I want. And I just go ask God for forgiveness all the time, and I'm going to you know, end up in heaven when I die. And it's great. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you've been set free, only don't use that freedom as now an excuse or as an opportunity to now live against God. Like God's brought you in, don't use it for the flesh. The flesh is that our inner inclination. It's not just like our, you know, our meat and our, our muscles, um, but it's that inner inclination to go against God's will, to live outside of God's will. And he says, but don't do that, but through love serve one another. In verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's saying these people are wanting you to come back to this Old Testament law to put all these 613 laws. And Paul, Paul doesn't say, no, no that all, that's all junk. God's done with that. Um, we're moving on. He's saying, like, no, actually the fulfillment of that law has come. And if you want to fulfill that law, which is summed up in love other people as yourself, um, you do this in the Christian community, but then he says in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. And I think this gives us a hint uh, about what what is happening in this church. So this church started off by trusting in Jesus, received the Spirit, then they had people come in and say, you know what? What you actually need to do to live a transformed life and to have a good relationship with God is you need to focus on keeping all these commands and rules and he's got, they've gotten their, uh, this church's eyes off of Jesus and off of relying on the Spirit. And what's happened? Have they started loving each other more when they've started looking at the 613 laws in the Old Testament? No, what's happened? They've started to bite one another and devour one another, doing the opposite of loving one another, starting to fight and have all these divisions and dissensions among them and all this strife and there's all this tension. They're dividing and devouring one another. It's kind of like if you are looking at a fish tank and you're seeing the one fish is kind of like you know, bit up and chewed up, and it's like it just Paul's looking at this aquarium in Galatia, you know, of these people that are supposed to be living for Jesus, loving one another. And he's like, you guys are all bit up, you're biting and devouring one another, and eventually you're just going to consume one another. And so he's saying, focusing on keeping these laws is not the the key to actually living a transformed life. And what does he say in verse 16? He says, but what is the key? I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the sin of the flesh. 
And our inclination is to not love one another, is to love ourselves at the expense of other people. And that's what sin is. It's loving ourselves at the expense of others, um, taking from people um, and pushing or pushing people down for the sake of ourselves. And he says, but if you walk by the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. The flesh takes us towards biting, devouring. And that walk by the Spirit word, I just want to point out... Um, the four different way things that, or five, actually five different things that this passage says about the Spirit. Verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit. And then verse 18 says, led by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit. And then verse 25 says two things, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. So it's walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And three of those things are like these, these following words, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. If you're being led by somebody, you keep in step with them. You're going where they're going. And then walking by the Spirit also has um, the connotation of like this two different things going. There's this direction, like, okay, I'm walking where the Spirit's going, but then there's also power. I'm walking by the Spirit, by the Spirit's strength, by the Spirit's power. And the issue with the law is not that it was good or unholy or unrighteous. Um, the Apostle Paul would say for sure not. It came from God. It was a gift, good, righteous, holy. But the problem was it gave direction, but it did not give power to go in that direction. And Paul is saying, why would you go back to this thing that only gave you direction and you're just going to focus on going in that direction? Now you have direction and power. Walk by the Spirit who actually gives you the, the energy, the strength, the power to go in the direction um, that the law commanded you to go in anyway, which is to love one another. In the Galatians, uh, Paul's not writing to a bunch of people who are saying, well, forget about God, forget about obeying Him, let's just do what we want. He's dealing with people who are like us, who've heard the gospel, trusted in Jesus, uh, and have have received the Spirit, but are now being tempted. Now I'm going to try to obey based on my own strength, based on just focusing on, okay, here's what God says to do, and I'm going to do it. Adding more laws to live a life pleasing to God. Paul's dealing with Christians who are being told they need to focus, adding more rules to their life. And so here's a, here's a little quiz, uh, which won't be graded on later by me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so true or false, Jesus said, it's better that I leave because if I don't, you won't get the Bible. True or false? False. Jesus did not say, if I don't leave, it's better that I leave because if I don't leave, you won't get the Bible. Jesus said, if I don't leave, it's better that I leave because if I, unless, I, unless I do, you, I can't send you the Holy Spirit. I can't send you the Holy Spirit. And our tendency uh, is to relate to God through the Bible only. And I'd be the last person to say, like, hey, we're not going to read the Bible anymore in these things. We're just going to try to listen to the Spirit. It's, the, the answer isn't less Bible, get rid of Bible. The answer is more Spirit, because the Spirit is the one who breathed out the Bible, who breathed out these words. Um, but this... It, if you think about, we can think like, okay, well, those silly people going back to the law of Moses. But for us, we can think, okay, what are we going to do? We just got to open this book, get the direction for our lives, and then work on living it out. And that would be the same thing that is happening in this church 
um, in Galatia in Paul's day, and they're saying, like, you, you know what you got to do? you got to get back to all this written stuff in the Old Testament and focus on living that out. That's what's important. And Paul's saying, no, 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 focusing on what's written down in that law, what's written down in the Bible, it, that's just not enough. You need the Spirit. You need to walk by the Spirit who, this is his direction that he gives us for our life. The Spirit breathes it out. And the Spirit also is the one who make, help, enables us to walk and step with. And we tend to relate to God um, primarily through the Bible. And there's other traditions in, in the Christian faith that tend to relate to God absent of the Bible and only through the Spirit. And our tradition is one of those that can tend to really focus on um, the Bible and the Spirit's like, we'll just kind of leave that stuff to other people. And it's like, no, we need both of them. They're both working together. The Spirit's the one who wrote it anyway. And so ways we can focus on, we can focus on uh, like times of worship. We come to times of worship and we hear the Bible. And that's one way um, that we can, we're kind of like the people Paul's writing to. And the other thing that they focus on was special days. Like, okay, the, these special times of year, we go up to the temple, we get to meet with God, and that's like our God time. And, Paul, and then the other thing, they, uh, well, those are the two main things. And we can say, like, okay, so about coming to these worship gatherings, is coming celebrating holidays, Easter, Christmas, and, like, this is how we're going to get close to God. Um, it's not to say that, okay, all that stuff is bad, it's like, no, we've been given so much more to enjoy. And the, the image I was thinking about is um, it's kind of like long-distance dating, which a few of us are familiar with, um, where you get to talk on the phone with somebody and once in a while see them. And for the Israelites, um, God, the Spirit was not indwelling with them and with them all, all the time throughout their days. And so it's like, if I want to meet with God and be in His presence, i got to go up to the temple. Um, and so I come up to these special feast days, I come up to these special times, and I need to go to somebody um, so that they can tell me God's word because they have it written. And then it would be silly for us to continue a long-distance relationship where we're like, okay, when do I meet with God? It's when I sit down with my Bible. When do I meet with God? It's when I come to a worship gathering and hear the Bible. Oh, it's when I come to Christmas or Easter, and all those times are important. But it, it's kind of treating like our relationship with God is has like breaks in it. You can come and meet with them at those times. Instead of like all the time, the Spirit is with me. I can walk by the Spirit. He's present. And I don't have to have these breaks in my relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit puts this, or the New Testament puts a huge emphasis on the Spirit. Um, not just uh, on the Spirit in us as individuals, but as a community. Um, and so often we think, okay, my, bo- my God time is wake up in the morning or wake at night and I open my Bible. I met with God. Close it up. And the next God time will maybe come tomorrow morning or something like that, or when I pray at bed, but before I go to bed. But always we can walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit that He's always leading us, He's always walking with us, and we can always follow His guidance. And that's what, and our big idea of walking in step with the Spirit grows Christ's life in us. Um, Christ's life is one of love, and the law is fulfilled in Jesus on our behalf, and also is being fulfilled in us as we walk by the Spirit. We may think, looking back, well, wouldn't it have been great if, you know, it would be so much easier if Jesus was just physically present. If I was there with those disciples, that would be so awesome, like walking around with Jesus, talking to him, listening to him, I can ask him any question I want. And like, wouldn't it be great if he was here right now, physically present with us, and we could just follow him and do stuff with him. Um, the reality is, it wouldn't really make our life of following him that much easier because it didn't make it easier for the disciples. They failed, even though Jesus was physically present with them. Um, they, he asked them to pray for him, and they fall asleep. 
And it's like, well, he gave them this, this kind of this request, this command, this expectation. You'd think, oh, they're with Jesus. Like it should be super easy to do what he says. Oh, they fall asleep. And then he says, you guys, the one thing I want you to do is like stay committed to me, be faithful to me. But I know you're all going to fall away when the pressure comes. And they're like, no, we won't. Pressure comes, and they all fall away. And we would think, man, if Jesus was here with us, I would never give in to the pressure to you know, be afraid of other people and not do what he says. And if he was here with me, like I could just come, and it would be so great. I could listen to him and learn from him and do what he says. The reality is, is these disciples who lived 2,000 years ago had the same difficulties we had when Jesus was present. And the reason... And we might say, well, I'm, a, I'm afraid, I'm too busy. Like, well, Jesus, I, I'm going to hang out here every day, guys. Yeah. Jesus tells us, I'm going to hang out here every day. You can come and learn from me, and every day I'm going to go out and tell people about the kingdom. And we'd be like, well, maybe next month. You know, I've got to mow my lawn and do all these other things, and I'm a little too busy. And we come and, you know, Jesus was physically present. And Jesus, if he was here with us, it'd be like this other external law, this person who's showing us how we ought to be, and yet it's outside of us. And we say, like, that would be great to be that way. Maybe even around, you know, kind of like helps us to have him with us and around us because it lifts us up a bit. We might think, like, man, he just always seems to have the right view of the world. He always has to seem the right view of God, right view of other people. He always has this mindset of, like, loving other people. I want that. And it always seems like he just has this, this heart that's full of a connection with God. He just seems to really know what God is like and what he's about and he trusts him. It's like, man, I really want a heart like that. It's like, Jesus always seems to just know what to say and know what to do and I want to be like that. And we it still would be this thing, this person outside of us, this external you know, list of rules or list of laws, list of commands of like, I want to be like this person. But we still would find in verse, 16, or verse 17 what it tells us, that we have these desires of the flesh that are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. And this is talking about the spirit coming, but uh, if we're trying to, I want to be like Jesus, we would still find, well, I have this thing inside of me, this flesh, this inclination to go against God that still is keeping me from doing this, becoming this person who's external to me. And that's why Jesus says, it's better for me to go, because if I don't go, the Spirit can't come. And what happens? The Spirit, he calls him another. Jesus says, I've come alongside of you. I'm going to send you another person to come alongside of you. And actually the Spirit comes inside of us. So now it's everything that's true of Jesus, all those things he had, that mindset he had, that heart he had, that's just full of, of God and beholding what God is truly like and, and doing and saying the things he did. Now that same Spirit is now put inside of us. And so now it's not an external thing. Now it's an internal thing um, that we can now walk with Jesus. And he said that it would be better to have the Spirit inside you than to have me with you and beside you. And the Holy Spirit, and what was encouraging to me about this passage is, um, or what was challenging is I read it and I realized, yeah, the main way I relate to God um, and why we've been doing this series is I mainly relate to God through the Bible, which I shouldn't say less Bible, more Spirit, but the main way as, as I read this, and it's like, okay, I think about it, pray about it, like I want to change my life. And then it's okay, I'm going to go change my life now. And instead, it's, we need the Spirit as the primary disciple maker in our life. Um, that Jesus said to make disciples, and now how is Jesus making us into his disciples? 
He sends the Spirit, and He's present with us to make us into His disciples through the Spirit so that we live fully surrendered to Him. And so it's, I read the Bible, I'm like, okay, I hear these words about you, Jesus, uh, and now I walk out, and it's like, you know, Spirit, make me a disciple. You know, I'm walking with you. I want to walk and step with you as you walk with me into my life. And then in verses 19 through 21, we're told, okay, what would it look like if somebody was trusting in their own obedience and performance to make them right with God? And what would it look like if someone was trusting in their own strength to live a changed life? What would you be seeing in their life? Verses 19 through 21, read this list off. And if you're like me, we go through this and you're like, you know, there's some of them that you're like, yeah, don't do that, don't do that, so I'm good. But then there's probably one or two or a couple that you're like, but I do that one. And that one is a struggle in my life. And so don't dismiss the list of like, I've got you know 90% of that covered, so I'm good. But as I read through these, think like, you know, which one of these still has a foothold in my life that I need to walk by the Spirit to be free of? So verses 19 through 21 say, Now the works of the flesh, you know, the, that inner inclination that wants to fight against God, they're evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I could go through and we could define um, all of these, um, but but later on we're going to focus in a different way on them. Um, rather than defining all of them. And then he says, you know, if you're trying to live out the Christian life in your own power, as much as you try, you're still going to see this stuff coming out of you. And he, he looks up, and you know, we saw that in verse uh, 15, where he says, you're biting and devouring one another. What do they have going on in their life? They're trying to live for God in their own power by having this list of things like, you know, love people, don't do this, do that, do this, and they're focusing on that. But what's still coming out? Dissensions and envy and strife, and they're biting and devouring one another. They're not actually loving each other. And he says in verse 21, he said, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this isn't like people having a one-off time of like, well, I had jealousy today, so I guess I'm not going to be part of God's kingdom um, this is like a lifestyle of like, instead of walking by the Spirit, you're just continually giving in and living a lifestyle in the flesh, giving in to what it wants you to do, those inner inclinations against God, and you're constantly living against God and you don't really care. Um, but those, you know, some, we all know that when we enter the Christian life, we all have sin patterns and things we're trying to get rid of that sometimes feel like it just takes years and then 10 years later you're like, okay, I'm free of everything. And then God brings something else to Revelation. You're like, oh, geez, I guess I wasn't free of everything. And I think God, we would just kind of explode if God revealed, here's all the stuff you need to work on. And we'd be like, well, you know, I can't ever, I can't even deal with that. So it's like over time we grow and mature in things. Uh, But this is talking about a a lifestyle of walking by the flesh of just saying, like, I'm just going to give in to it and not care. I don't even care if God forgives me. I don't care what he wants. And uh, of course a person like that would not want to inherit the kingdom of God because they've showed they care nothing for it. They care nothing for 
God's will and God's ways. And so why would you want to be part of a kingdom where he's king um, and you're not? So the kingdom is inherited by grace, and that grace uh, makes us right with God and transforms us. And then he goes into the fruit of the Spirit, and this, our big idea, uh, walking in step with the Spirit grows Christ's life in us. Now, the fruit of the, of the Spirit isn't just this, like, um, kind of like, oh, here's all these good things. It's like all good things are expressed uh, in Jesus, um, and Jesus was the perfect image of God. And really, we were supposed to be the perfect images of God. God created us in his image to reflect his character, and all these are a reflection of his character. And I wouldn't say that this list is, uh, covers every single thing that's true about God, but it's, you know, Paul would have been writing for days. Uh, but this is what uh, a representative list. He says, okay, there's the works of the flesh, um, but in contrast, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no law outlining love, and, or outlawing love and joy and peace. And if you're living in those things, there's nothing that's going to condemn those um, in God's law court or in God's eyes. And the fruit of the Spirit, we'll come back to them and look at them a little more uh, closely later. Um, but there's these two images used. We went through walking by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And so there's like, as we go about our lives, walking our lives, and this often in the Old Testament, that was an image for like your walk. You know, we walk the walk and, or talk the talk. It's like you, the walking is like your behavior, your conduct. And so it's saying, conduct your life, let your behavior be by the Spirit, His direction, His power. Um, you want to go down this path, and He's the one that gives you the power to go down that path and the ability to do so. And so if we walked with the Spirit, um, the other metaphor we see, the image is fruit. There's going to be something growing in our life that... As we give ourselves the Spirit, He gives us the nutrients, the life, the energy to grow these things in our life that are all true about Jesus. And then He says in verses 24 and 25, we get crucifixion and resurrection, death and raised to life. It says in verse 24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we belong to Christ, Jesus died to sin, and we trust in Jesus, we become one with him, we die to sin, we crucify the passions and desires of those inclinations inside of us that lead us against away from God. And we talked to before that there's no longer the sin no longer has power over us, there's no longer shackles that it's been that's been put to death. Um, it's been dethroned, not been totally destroyed in our life. Sin still remains, but it's been dethroned. It no longer has control over us. And then also, we live by the Spirit. We've been brought to new life. The same Spirit that was in Jesus, um, that He did live by the purposes of God, the will of God, and did the works of God, that same Spirit is now in us. The same Spirit that enabled Him to resist temptation is now in us. The same Spirit that enabled Him to do miracles and, and glorify God and please God is now in us. And in a long-distance relationship, we talked about, like, okay, our relationship with God doesn't need to be occasional visits. 
when we visit the Bible, you know, for 10 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes, you have your time set aside, or when we visit worship gatherings, or when we come to like a special service, Christmas Eve or Easter, our relationship with God is no longer defined by these intermittent breaks and times where it's like, okay, I meet with God now, I meet with God now, I meet with God now. It's no longer long distance. Now God has come to live with us. He now lives with us. It's a relationship where he's always with us. Um, but even if we are living with somebody, we still need to be intentional with them in order to be close. And two words we've thought about before are available and attentive. We want to be aware of the Spirit in our life, but then we want to be available and attentive to Him. And if, when I think about my relationship with Katie, I need to. We live in the same house. We're married, live in the same house, sleep in the same bed, but yet we can be physically close, but miles apart relationally. We can feel totally distant relationally, and it's because it takes intentionality. Still, even with you, when you have a relationship with someone close to you, and the Spirit is inside of us living with us, we need to be available to his purposes and attentive to him. And Katie, if she's coming in and I'm never available to the things that she wants to do, and I'm just like, no, I've got my own thing here. I'm going to be working in the garage, which I don't really do, but you know, let's just, if I'm working in the garage or mowing the lawn or whatever I'm doing, like, no, I'm just going to be downstairs watching Heroes, you know, the, you know, the show that came out a long time ago. You know, old shows, because that's what's available on Amazon Prime. Like, you just take care of Hudson and do your thing. I'm not available to the things that she wants to do. Or even, like, I'm just coming around and being like, hey, we're going to go to the store now. Hey, we're going to do this now. Hey, we're going to do this now. And I'm never saying, I'm available to do what you want to do. And that's not going to be a great relationship. And the other is being attentive to her. her, What's she feeling? What's she saying? How is her day? And what is she communicating with me? And if I'm not attentive to that, I'm just kind of like, telling her about myself and about my day and what I want and all this stuff. And I'm not attentive to what she needs in that moment or where she you know, wants to lead us. Like, hey, I need someone to talk to. Um, that's not going to be a great relationship, even though we're close uh, physically. And we, there's four ways uh, that we can struggle to walk by the Spirit. And so the, the, the one, uh, and not to be available and attentive to him, one is we walk by the flesh. We give in to the flesh desires and we just say, like, I, whatever sin wants me to do, I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to live how I want to live. So we walk by the flesh uh, by giving in to its desires. Second, we walk by our own strength, which is also walking by our, our flesh. You know, what, are, what am I made of? What can I do? So we walk by our own strength. Um, we're not uh, being aware that he's the one who enables us to overcome sin, but instead we try to obey the Bible and fight sin on our own strength. Like, I just need to keep reading this and getting what I'm supposed to do and then stop doing all those bad things. And that's never going to allow us to uh, allow Jesus' life to grow in us. And thirdly, we want the Spirit to keep in step with us. We want the Spirit to keep in step with us instead of keeping in step with the Spirit. We don't want to keep in step with the Spirit or be led by the Spirit, but instead we ask Him, would you please be available for my purposes? Would you please keep in step with how I want my life to go? And we ask Him to do stuff for us rather than making ourselves available to be used by Him and making ourselves attentive to His leading so we're not available. Last week I quoted Billy Graham. I guess he had some great insights on the Holy Spirit because he had this other quote where he said, um, it's not about how much of the Spirit we have, 
but it's about how much the Spirit has us. It's not like we all have the same Spirit, the same Spirit Jesus had. And it's not about, you know, you have more of the Spirit than me. It's not about how much the Spirit we have, but about how much the Spirit has us. And lastly, uh, we don't stop to listen. So we're not attentive. So wanting the Spirit to keep in step with us is not being available. And not stopping to listen is not being attentive. That It's not whether the Spirit is leading us. It's whether we are listening to Him leading us and paying attention to it and being uh, attentive. And, um, like if you're driving in the car, there's a whole bunch of radio stations if you have the radio on that you're not listening to, but it doesn't mean they aren't playing music or talking or airing stuff. And it's like the Spirit is broadcasting um, and He's in us and He's speaking to us and it's more than likely not going to be like an audible voice that you kind of hear in your head like in a cave or something. That's, I, that's kind of how I envision all the time. Like my brain is like this cave or my head is this cave. I don't know. I guess there's nothing in it. But it's like if I was to experience the Spirit, it would be kind of like I'd feel like, you know, it's like a loudspeaker and you're like, hey, do this. And that's probably most likely not how you're going to hear the Spirit because even how this letter talks about it, he's talking about there's the desires of the Spirit, there's desires of the flesh. And the way the Spirit guides us is this deep inner desire level of these promptings and these urges and these things he wants us to do. And part of it is like, well, we have the urges of this flesh that's still with us. We have the urges of the Spirit. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to listen and pray and work and talk to the people until I find that my desire is in line with that spirit inside of me. Um, and we can, maybe there'll be another time we can go into how that, what that would feel. But what I want to do as an activity, our way to apply this is, if this is the fruit of the spirit, all these things we listed, love and joy and peace and kindness, and all of those things describe what the spirit is like, like, you know, this God isn't a God who is do as I say, not as I do. And so he's not saying, like, hey, be loving. Be at peace with people. Be patient. Like, he's not a do that, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, God is a, that is true of him. He's all those, those, these are the fruit of the Spirit. They're true of the Spirit. They're true of the Father. Um, they're true of Jesus. And when we walk in step with the Spirit, he grows Jesus' life in us. And those fruits of the Spirit are what is true of Jesus. And so, uh, if these are what God is like, then each of the fruit of the Spirit is how God treats us. Um, you would expect that if he wants to grow that in our life, that that's what's growing in God's life, you know, perfectly, fully grown. It's like God is perfectly loving, perfectly joyful, perfectly at peace with us, perfectly kind and patient. And so we're going to look at the two lists, works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. As we went over the works of the flesh, uh, write down or think of which one do you see in your life, and it, you know which one comes off the page, because you're like, man, I am struggling with that, and then you maybe even feel like guilt and shame, and then you're like, no, I'm gonna make myself feel better because I don't, at least I don't, at least I don't struggle with the worst ones, or at least I don't struggle with all of them. It's only that one. You know, what's the thing that kind of leaps off the page that you're kind of trying to say, like, I don't have a problem with that, or that just is uh, convicting to you.
now, if you're having trouble, you know, pray and as I talk and ask God, like, you know, tell me which one. Um, you don't have to be afraid. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and all these are relational. You know, some of them are relationships with other people. Some of them are about our relationship with God. Um, and our relationships get out of joint um, when we're not uh, when we're not trusting God. And so now, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's not like these lists completely like correspond to each other. Like, oh, the first work of the flesh. Oh, the first fruit of the Spirit is like the opposite of that. They don't correspond to each other, but I think they can relate. And so, let me share from from my own life. Um, something I have difficulty with um, and, and Katie and I have been talking about in our, our marriage is um, what, sometimes when we like feel hurt by the other person or at least when I feel hurt by the other person or hit, feel hurt by anybody I have trouble showing affection then I grow cold and distant and I don't have the warmth and affection and so the thing I struggle with is you know, unconditional affection of like okay you can't feel warmth towards me you have to feel cold toward me until this is resolved. And what we're trying to work on is like in conflict, how do we not like be cold and distant to each other, but how do we still have the warmth and affection for each other and be like, I love you still. Like I don't, this, this isn't going away. Like even as we work through this thing. Um, and it's basically, I, I have trouble showing affection to people who have fallen short of my standards. Uh, and then when I read through the fruit of the spirit, the one that has stuck out to me for the past um, several months um, is joy. And if I think about, like, okay, God is each of these towards me. And, like, God, does that mean you have, like, joy towards me? Like, you enjoy me? Uh, you delight in me? You have these warm affections for me? You're just super excited to have me in your family? You're super excited that I'm your son? Um, like, that, I just do not get that. Because, for me, in my life, when I fall short of someone's standards, I grow cold and distant towards them. So therefore, when I fall short of God's standards, he must be cold and distant towards me. And the reason that I'm not showing that warmth to other people, that unconditional affection, is because I don't believe God shows that um, toward me. And so if you, you know, reading Zephaniah 3.17, talks about God with joyful singing, you know, dancing over us. Or Ephesians 5 talks about how Jesus nourishes and cherishes his body. Does he love me? He, he cherishes me? And Sunday nights are the most difficult. After I leave, I, I, you know, it's like this is a time when it's like, okay, it's time to do what God has told me to do. I gotta teach God's word. We have this service, and then it's this, you know, moment of performing. Not performing for you, but it's like, okay, my performance is being measured. And every single time, it's like, I wish I would have done different. I wish I would have said that different. You know, that could have been better or clearer. And so every Sunday night, I can walk away being like, I didn't meet the standards, God. So you must be displeased with me and distant from me and, and all these things. And I've, after I leave, I've tried to start listening to this song um, that's called uh, God Delights in You on my way home. And it's just this, you know, like, you know, come and sing, come and dance because God delights in you. Like, you're, he welcomes you in. He loves you. And for, for me, I see that God's enjoyment of me and his love toward me um, is determined by my performance and my ability to obey. Um, rather, I want to see if this is, this is the stuff you want to grow in me? You want to grow joy in me? You want me to have joy no matter what circumstance or who I'm around or you know how people are doing and whatever standards and like so you feel that towards me and Paul talks a lot about freedom. It's freeing to not see that God's joy and delight in me 
is dependent on my performance and, o- and obedience. God's free, unearned love is freeing because it's received and not earned, not dependent on me. And so then when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you know, we identify the works of the flesh. And when you look at one of the fruits of the Spirit, so for me it's, I might feel strife with somebody. I might have you know, anger towards somebody and not feel that affection. And then it's like, okay, looking at the fruit of the Spirit, which one of these don't I think God has towards me? And those two will probably line up. So when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, which one do you need the most right now? And you might say, which do you have the most trouble giving to other people? And that probably means you don't believe that you've received it already from God. If you have trouble giving it, it probably means you don't think you've received it. Or which don't you believe God gives to you? I don't believe God gives joy to me. So then I have trouble giving it to other people. I don't believe that God is joyous around me. And in the middle of doing that thing from the works of the, of the flesh, you know, here's what you can do as part of your homework. is like when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, when you see which one do you need the most, and here's what I would suggest that you define it. Um, what does that mean that God is patient towards me? What does that mean that God loves me? What does that mean that God is at peace with me? What does that mean that God is faithful to me? Define it. And in the middle of doing the thing from the works of the flesh that you struggle with, jealousy or whatever it is, what would it look like, sound like, and feel like for God to show you that fruit of the Spirit? Got those three things from Laurel, credit. What does it look like, sound like, and feel like? So in the middle of you struggling with that work of the flesh that you come back to or it hasn't gone on in your life yet, jealousy or sexual morality or fits of anger with people, what in the middle of doing that, what would it look like, sound like, and feel like? God to show you that through the Spirit you have trouble believing He gives to you. So define it. What would it look like, sound like, and feel like for God to show you that? The truth is walking, we've seen walking in step with the Spirit grows Christ's life in us. As a community, we're a garden of God. We're each planted in God's garden. And Jesus said, He's the vine, we're the branches, and, and the Father is the vine dresser, pruning and fertilizing and watering and doing what He needs for us to, to grow and to flourish. And we're all in Christ and He's in us, and His life is being grown in us. And we're this garden as a church of these blossoms and flowers and fruit for God, and as God is, is working on us. And if we continue in this passage, we're not, we're not going to go in depth to it, but verses 1 through 5, it's like, okay, what would a community walking by the Spirit look like? And in chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, Paul continues on this walking metaphor. He's like, okay, when we enter the journey with Jesus, walking by the Spirit, walking on this journey, walking down His paths and His purposes, we each come in with the, our own kind of pack, our own load that we're carrying, and we're responsible for that. Um, like I, We've got our our wounds, our sins, our issues from the past. And it's like, I've got to deal with that. I'm responsible for dealing with it. And we're all walking together, carrying our pack. And then he says, well, what happens when somebody like falls into a sin or falls into a transgression? A community that's super focused on, we've got to obey all these rules. And it's like, hey, you're 
you're disobeying. Like, get back up and start doing it. And he's like, if this is, if you're a community walking by the Spirit, doesn't mean that you ignore sin, or ignore people doing wrong. It says, but the word he actually, what he says is, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's like we're all walking together, and if somebody falls into a sin, falls into transgression. It's like, man. I just can't seem to overcome this. And they're laying on the ground. Um, we get down and we bear that burden with them and we help them out of it. That's what a community walking by the Spirit it does. We each show the love, the joy, and the peace, and the gentleness, the kindness, the faithfulness of God to someone who has fallen in sin. And walking by the Spirit, walking the step of the Spirit is going to grow Christ's life in us as individuals. It's going to go grow Christ's life in us um, as a church. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we don't make ourselves right with you by our obedience, but that Jesus makes us fully righteous, fixes our relationship with you and heals it. And thank you that we do not now live a life uh, in obedience to you on our own power, but that we have the Spirit with us as the one through whom Jesus is discipling us and leading us and guiding us and showing us the direction to go and giving us the power to go that direction. So would you uh, let us be a church, let us be people and families and individuals who are walking by the Spirit, walking in step with Him so that Christ's life grows in us. So that we pray. Amen.